You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. If you'd like to take your seats, draw your conversations to a close, that would be great. We're just going to introduce ourselves first, and then, then I'm kicking off, aren't I? Yeah. So, let's get the order right. Yes, <laughs> right. Um, so, my name's Nick Oldfield, and I'm the Hope Kids team leader, and uh, I've uh, been in post for about three weeks, okay, so I'm quite new to the role, okay. <laughs> Um, my name is Kirsten, um, yeah. <laughs> and I head up our youth work here at Hope Church, um, and I've been uh, heading up for about a year now, almost a new day this year, it'll be a year, so um, yeah, we have an amazing youth work here, uh, we love it, uh, yeah. Great. Great, over okay. to you Nick. Thank you. Okay, anyway, right, so, how is everyone, is everyone okay? Good, jolly good, that was a great time of worship. And uh, I think we may refer to a bit of it at the end. Uh, so, you know, Len's word was really, really helpful. So uh, we'll come back to that. But um, so what we're going to be looking at this morning um, is this whole area of going to the next generation. I'll keep this mic near my... I need to remember to not move my head and do that. Okay. And uh, as, a, as a parent of three children, um, I think often it can feel really bewildering when your kids come home from school and they, they tell you uh, some of the stuff that goes on. So uh, friends suffering from mental health issues, self-harming, self-hating. I mean, these are young children, okay? Um, friends who are, just, who are being bullied or, uh, you know, uh, sort of subjects of gossip in so- through social media. Um, and, uh, you know, poor role models kind of being, um, it, you know, kind of shown on social media and friends obsessed by image and what they look like because of that. Or uh, questions even in lessons being asked about, um, you know, sexuality, identity, gender. Okay. And uh, these are things that, if, I, if I'm honest, when I was uh, 11, 12, 9, 10, I never faced any of this. Okay. And, uh, you know, these are just some of our realities for our children. There's, there's of, of course, the, the stuff that's been going on for a long time. So crime, you know, global uncertainty, um, the, uh, you know, drugs and all the concerns maybe about that. And then um, the emasculation of men, you know, you know, what is a man? What does it mean to be a man nowadays? Or maybe the, ob- the, ob- the object- objectifying of women, you know, pornography, uh, materialism being obsessed by, I must have the next thing. And these are some of the struggles that our children are facing on a day-to-day basis. They've, some of them have always been there. Some of them are new to our society. And uh, in his book, and I would highly recommend this book, um, this is a book by a man called George Barner. It's called Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions. And in his book, in this book, George Barner says, I'll read this quote to you. He says, most of our young people will not end up as alcoholics or drug addicts. Most children will never be the victims of a serious physical crime, and relatively few youngsters will be physically abandoned by their parents. The majority of children are not actually clamoring for X-rated, profane, violent content on TV or in the movies or on video games. But the reality is that most of our children will actually seek to live normal lives, but in doing so 
will fall prey to the constantly deteriorating definitions of normality. The end result of this will be children growing up uh, in a challenging culture, in a country full of adults whose standards have been lowered and whose sensitivities have been blurred. And this is the reality for our young people and our children. So in simple terms, however, um, however well our children choose to live their lives, um, they will come up at some point, they will face at some point the overriding culture of our society, which subtly says things um, that you know about says things about life. Life has no ultimate meaning. Life has no ultimate purpose. So basically, you can make it up yourself. You know, if it's right for you, um, go for it. And uh, in society today, you know, there are no clear. Uh, there's no clear steer on questions such as, you know, what values should I live my life by, or what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? Or uh, you know, what does it even mean to be human? Or what's the foundation of my life? And I, I did a bit of research with my two teenage girls. And I said to them, so what do you think your friends live their lives by? You know, what are their values? And it was, it was fascinating to hear what they said. So the, one of them said, well, my friends, their attitude to life is, you know, whether they want to do it or not. So it's just whether I want to do it. If I want to do it, I'll do it. If I don't, I won't. And that's it. Or, and the other one said, well, let's try it. You know, try it if I'd like to. If I don't want to try it, I won't. And so it's all about them. It's all about what I want. It's all about I'll try it if I want to. I've got a right to do it if I want to. And this brings many challenges for our kids in the church and in our families um, as they grow up. I think it brings challenges in terms of, of them being able to identify um, between truth and lies. Uh, in navigating themselves around uh, this confusing picture, but also it brings challenges around, well, you know, what are our values? What is it that we live our lives by? And I think as a parent uh, of three myself, and I'm, you know, or as someone who is a grandparent, an uncle, an auntie, uh, you know, what, in whatever way you, uh, you are, are with or you spend time with children, I think it can be really overwhelming, can't it? And our instinct often can be, as adults, can just be to either worry or to overprotect, batten down the hatches. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect my children. I'm not going to expose them to anything. Um, or just to give up. You know, this tidal wave is so huge, I can't cope. So I just give in, basically. But, and this is the big but, okay. In Hebrews 16, verse 19, it reminds us that Actually, Jesus is our anchor, okay? He's the anchor for our soul, and he is firm and secure. And in Jesus, as we all know, or as many of us know in this room, there is certainty. There is true identity. There are some clear values to live by. In Jesus, there is acceptance, and there is love. And uh, also, you know, we believe, Kirsten and I believe, and I'm sure many of you believe that actually our children are the best people, the best placed people to reach other children for Jesus. And so, you know, our children can be, as Jesus puts it in Matthew 5, salt of the earth, leaders, godly agitators in society who say, no, we're not actually, no, that's not right. We are not going to do it that way. Culture changers, 
We believe that our children can be lights to the world, demonstrating the gospel of Jesus to people around them, and in doing so, drawing people into Jesus, into the church. So today, Kirsten and I, what we want to do is explore that potential that our children have. And we want to look at how we can unlock that potential in our children. We also want to look at um, our role and our responsibility as adults. So this, this, this sermon is not just for um, parents in this room. This sermon is for every adult in this room because we all have a part to play. We all have a responsibility to play, and we'll pick, pick, uh, unpick that a bit later. Okay, so I'm going to hand over to Kirsten, who's going to look at equip, uh, expecting the most from our children. Um, so as Nick was talking about, we, um, our young people are faced with so much in this world um, that comes against um, what church says. The culture is so opposite um, to what we have um, in Jesus. And so the question I want to ask is, what then do we expect for our young people? What then do we want for them? Um, and so we're going to start off by looking at an, an example uh, in Jeremiah. Uh, so if you, ha- if you have your Bibles, then turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Um, and we're going to be reading from verses 4 to 10. Uh, so Jeremiah at this time um, is appointed by God to be a prophet. And Jeremiah is still quite a young man at this time. Uh, and in those times, uh, prophets were generally older men who had been around and in the church for a long time. And so for Jeremiah to be appointed a prophet was quite a big thing. Um, and God has called him to convict the country of Judah um, of their wrongdoing and their sin. And here we see a conversation between God uh, and Jeremiah as, he, um, as God talks to him about what he'd like him to do. Um, so, starting in verse 4, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Our Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Um, And here we see Jeremiah doubting himself and saying to God, I can't go, I can't do what you've asked me to because I'm too young. And God is saying, no, I have put these words in your mouth. Um, And in verse 4, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And the word consecrated uh, means to represent the body and the blood of Christ. And it means to step into a God-given purpose. Um, So before we are even born, God is dedicated to us and he's dedicated to our young people to seeing us represent Christ. That is what he wants for us. 
Um, and when I'm serving our young people and when I'm spending time with them and when they are living in relationship with God, this is what I see in them, that they're representing Christ. And this is what we as a church family should be looking for in them as well, that they are representing Christ, that even those who are yet not saved, even those who do not yet know him have the um, potential to represent Christ. That is our inheritance, that it's not like um, when um, athletes are chosen to represent their country. Um, imagine, imagine a child comes in now and announces that they're representing Great Britain in the Olympics. We would celebrate with them and we would be excited. But this isn't, cele- this isn't representing Great Britain. This is representing Jesus, the King, the one who is above all. And our young people get to represent him. And so we should be longing uh, for this for them. It's not just a nice idea. It's not just a label that we stick on them. It's not something extra that they just put on their CV. Uh, and in future and later life, they can kind of be like, I represent Jesus. No, we get to represent the king. Um, and we need to grasp how precious and powerful this is. Because if we grasp it and we show it to them, then they're going to know it because we can see it in them. Um, and it's so important to realize that even in their youth and their young age that they can do this, even though they're not fully mature, even though they've got years ahead of them, they are capable of doing this, that um, our young people, our children downstairs right now, our youth in the room over there, they have the power and they carry the weapons and they wear the armor that has the power to destroy the plans of the enemy. That it's not light, it's not some kind of flouncy thing, but they can destroy the plans of the enemy um, through what Christ can do with them. Um, and so that brings me just on to my second point, that God anoints our power, or God anoints our young people with the power to destroy the enemy's plans. And yet I think sometimes as adults we can almost subconsciously fall into this kind of God is on hold until you're 18 way of thinking that um, it's not like God is a shopkeeper and behind him he's got all these spiritual giftings and he's got prophecy over here and healing down here and this 14-year-old kind of rocks in um, and he goes, oh, I'd quite like some of, some of that healing, God. And God goes, have you got any ID? I don't think God does that. Um, he doesn't. He says, no, take this. I want to give it to you. I want to give you good gifts and this is for you as well. Um, And we have to be excited and encouraging our young people in this as well. Um, In 1 Corinthians verse 12, it says, um, when talking about spiritual giftings, it says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions each one Um, who apportions to each one as he wills. It says he apportions them as he wills, not when you reach 18 or not when you get to a certain point in your life. They're given by grace as God wills. And so if God wills for a young person to bring a word to the front on a Sunday morning and share it, it's because God wills and he loves to speak to our young people as well. Um, Recently, actually, so you may have heard about the stabbings that have happened um, in Ipswich uh, lately, uh, particularly involving young people and gang crime. And I heard a story of um, a group of people meeting with all the council members together, um, and they're discussing about what to do and how they're going to move forward in this. And a teenage boy stands up in the middle of that room and tells them that they need Jesus that they need Jesus. And a teenage boy stood up in front of a room of people. I'm pretty sure he didn't feel qualified, and I'm pretty sure he was probably one of the youngest ones in the room, and yet he knew that they needed Jesus, and he stepped out in that. Don't we want this for our young people? Don't we want to see this on a Sunday morning? Don't we want to see this uh, in the week? 
Um, an eternity-changing impact has been placed in them before they were formed in the womb. That this doesn't just affect the now. That in Revelation, when it talks about we're standing before God and there's seas of faces, that our young people are going to bring other people so that when we stand before God, they're going to be stood there with us. And that's going to be done through them and how we encourage them. And so when we build up our young people, when we invest in them, when we encourage them, we're not just changing the now. We're not just impacting one person for 10 minutes. We're impacting an eternity and I think that is so amazing that um, we get to play a part in that. And in order to do that, we have to be encouraging our young people in godly maturity. Um, so that's my third point, that we need to encourage people, our young people in godly maturity. If uh, we skip ahead to Jeremiah 1, verses 11 and 12, it says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. And um, this is an interesting little point I found while reading this up, that the Hebrew word for almond means wakeful hastening. And the reason why it's given this word um, is because it, the flower on an almond blooms a lot earlier on in the year than all other flowers. Um, and it just encouraged me to think, don't we want our young people to bloom so much more that in their schools and in their colleges um, and as they're heading into the workplace that there's something that has bloomed in them that has not yet bloomed in others in a way that they can, um, that other young people can look to them and say, wow, there's something about them, there's something different about them. And in Psalm 144, verse 12, uh, David's prayer is, May our sons in their youth be like plants full-grown. And here David is asking that the maturity of fully-grown plants would be seen and reflected in our sons. Um, and actually that growing in godly maturity is a must because our young people are the future uh, leaders of our church, they're the future, future worshippers, they're the future welcomers, and it's our job to equip them for that and to get alongside them. Um, we can see an example of this in Jesus in Luke 2, verses 41 to 52. Um, here Jesus is just 12 years old, and he attends a Passover feast with his mother uh, and his father. And um, later on, uh, his mother and his father can't find him anywhere, and they're searching everywhere for him. Um, and eventually they find him three days later sitting in a temple among teachers and he's listening to them and he's asking questions of them. And his parents are like panicking and freaking out. And um, they say, where have you been? We've been looking everywhere for you. And Jesus' response is, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus' response was, did you not know I was in my father's house? Don't we want this for our young people as well? That they're longing to be in their father's house, that they're longing uh, to be with their father and spending time with him. At 12 years old, Jesus longed to be with his father. And if we're believing that our young people um, are called uh, to represent Jesus and the body and the blood of Jesus, then don't we want them to want to be with their father in order that they do that? Um, and here we also see um, that he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. 
He was submissive to his parents as well. We have to encourage um, being submissive to their parents as well. And his mother treasured this. His mother treasured his obedience. And it says that she held these things up in her heart. That we will have to treasure when our children are obedient. We have to treasure when our children long to spend time uh, with God. And it says, as a result, he increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. Our young people, as they spend time with Jesus, because it has to come out of relationship with him. It can't come from us. It has to come from him. As they spend time with Jesus, as they're submissive to their parents, as they're um, being encouraged in godly maturity, as they're um, fighting the plans of the enemy and saying, no, we're going to stand for Jesus, that they're going to increase in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man. And this has to be our prayer for our young people, that they would be mature in their faith, that they would grow in relationship with him. And we have to encourage it, we have to treasure it, and we have to rejoice in it when they do and be excited for them. Let's be excited for what our young people are going to do for Jesus because they, they have the potential to do so, so, so much. Um, and so what is our part in this? What is our part in this? How, how can we equip them? How can we uh, help them and encourage them to do this? Um, so Nick is going to come and uh, speak to us about equipping and preparing our young people. Okay. Oh, sorry. Great. Thank you, Kirsten. Okay, I'm going to split this into two sections. So the first bit is, is our responsibility. Whoops. And uh, the second bit is... Um, some real practical things about how we can bring God um, into our everyday uh, interactions with children. Okay, so the first thing, um, about 13 years ago, God really challenged me about some of my attitudes, um, and uh, and I, I used to get so self-absorbed um, uh, over questions about kind of uh, what has God called me to, okay? So, you know, to the extent I used to kind of overcomplicate things so much and uh, was actually, in the end, never satisfied with anything um, and uh, always asking questions, you know, is this what God wants? Is this what God wants? And God really challenged me to stop self-obsessing about my calling, and uh, he reminded me that actually he had given me children. Our children were quite young at that point. And uh, he said to me that he had called me to be faithful to serve what he had already put in my hands, i.e. my children. And this meant in real terms to be the best dad um, that I could be, to be the best husband to my wife that I could be, and to actually lead my family to my best ability. And it actually set me free. Um, it enabled me to stop overcomplicating life. It enabled me to stop adopting worldly ambition for my, uh, for my Christian walk and to actually enjoy the time and the things that God had given me and mostly my children. Okay. And there are two godly principles here in action. The first one is that God wants us to faithfully serve and look after the things that he has already given us. And that's Luke 16 verse 10. The second one, in Romans 14, verse 12, it reminds us that each of us will have to give an account um, over how our, kind of for our attitudes, um, our actions, our choices, over how we behave with the things that God has given us. And, uh, you know, God, if God has blessed us with children in any capacity, and I'm not just talking parents, I'm talking in any capacity, then God will require an account from us about how we handled those things. And uh, if you are in the lives of children, 
And my challenge to you this morning is to take them seriously. Now, you could be a grandparent, you could be an auntie and uncle, you could be a mum and dad, you could uh, be working in the kids' work, you could be helping with the youth, you could just be uh, part of a family, an extended family where there's children in. You could be a school teacher. And my challenge to you is to take what God has given you and put in your hands already seriously. Um, Jack Hayford, in his book um, entitled Blessing Children, um, says this. He says, No child naturally knows how to live in a manner that brings blessing to themselves and others. In other words, they need our help. And it is our responsibility as members of this church, this wider church family, whoever you are, um, to expose young people to the history, the expectations, and the ways of God. So how do we do that? Well, I, I'm going to give some real practical um, examples, really, of how we can do that. And we can do that in our family life. We can just do that in life in general. Okay, so here we go. So I'm going to look at, first of all, Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy um, 11, verse 18 to 21. I think it comes, it's going to come up on the screen. Now, um, this, uh, these words were given to the people of God as they were about to enter into the promised land, okay? And it was a reminder to them about the centrality of putting God's ways and God's word in everyday life. I'll read them to you. So fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Uh, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses, on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the Lord, um, sorry, in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. So it's a real clear message here. In all we do, in every dealing, in every action, in everything that we uh, do in our lives, you know, in, in, turn, in our family lives, privately, externally, uh, wherever we do, God's words, God's uh, ways should be at the forefront of what we're doing. You know, for us, for our own good, but also for the good of our children as well. So here's some real practical things that we can do. So the first thing is the centrality of the word of God. Now, I, I was privileged to grow up in a Christian home, and uh, I remember clearly one morning getting up early for some reason, I can't remember why, and uh, going downstairs and um, walking into the front room, and to my surprise, my dad was there, huddled, it was a cold, we didn't have heating in those days, huddled with a blanket, okay, uh, reading his Bible. And I just remember that, that's never left me, that image, okay, of uh, how my dad got up in the mornings and read the word of God. And then my mum, the joke in the family, she, you know, she's the walking concordance, okay? If you ever want to know a verse, ask her, she'll tell you where it is. But the point of this is, is that to my parents, the word of God was key. And what they used to do was weave it into everyday life. And however we deal with children, doesn't, you don't have to be a parent, are you bringing the word of God into every situation? And uh, I, you know, I, I try to do this. I deliberately will read my Bible in front of the children, okay? And, uh, and if they ask me a question, what I try and do is to say, well, what do you think the Bible says about that? Or God says that. And sometimes I get the raised eyebrows. Sometimes they listen, okay? 
But I, I don't care, really. I'm just going to weave it into my everyday family life. And there are so many creative things that we can do with that. I won't go into them today. There's so many amazing Bibles that I never had when I was little. Graphic Bible, Diary of a Wimpy Kid style Bible. You know, there's loads of stuff. Okay. So, but the point is, is the centrality of the Word of God. In your dealings with children, are you gossiping? Are you talking about? Are you making God's Word center of all that you do? Secondly, encouraging the work of the Spirit in our lives. And uh, are you asking your children or the children that you interact with, can you pray for me? I've got a headache. Can you pray for me? Are you asking God for words and prophecies in their everyday lives? We had a situation, one of my girls, they were really struggling to settle into Ipswich. They really didn't, uh, uh, the first year they really didn't like it here at all. And uh, it was becoming a bit of a problem. And uh, so we prayed about this. And uh, I actually had a word for for her and uh, about a butterfly appearing out of a chrysalis. And, um, and we, I gave it to her, and uh, just how you've got something in you, you know, come out of your chrysalis and let people see it in Ipswich. And literally overnight, she changed. She took all the pictures of her old friends down. She, th- she filed away all the letters from her old friends, and she almost as if she started a new life in Ipswich. And so it just struck Corey and I the power of, of words of knowledge, of prophecy, of, of listening to God for your children. So I would encourage you to do that. The place of the church. So are we all modeling good churchmanship and attendance? You know, are we getting stuck in? Are we serving? Are we uh, not letting people down? You know, are we catching the vision for the church? Um, the church is incredible. The church is an amazing thing. Creation of Jesus. Okay. And, uh, you know, nowhere else in the world will you see a model of, of, of such diversity, of, such, you know, of ages, different races, different, uh, you know, different people from different backgrounds coming together. Expose your children to it. Get them involved. Encourage their giftings in it. You know, what are your kids good at? Get them involved in that. If they're good at music, you know, get them along to music nights. You know, if they're good at giving out leaflets, get them out giving out leaflets. You know, I don't know. Take them with you. Uh, to do things, you know, and just bring, just let them follow you around, okay? And, it, you know, you, they just help them to catch the spirit of what the church is all about. Getting behind the leaders, okay? You know, how many times, and I, and I say this, uh, and I was, I'm as guilty as anyone else on this, how many times um, have you told your children to stop moaning about school, <laughs> to stop moaning about Mr. Smith and his boring geography lessons, Okay, and then in the next breath or the next sentence, you go, oh, dear, that was a terrible time of worship, wasn't it? Or that was a, oh, dear, you know, what are they going on about? You know, and um, that very rarely happens, I just add, you know. (laughs) But um, get behind the leaders. Get behind the vision of the church. Get behind what you're doing as an adult, okay, as a parent, as a grandparent, as an uncle, as an auntie, as a kids worker. And let our children see good attitudes, and then finally, households that ooze Jesus. Now, I wanted to change that word because it's kind of images of spots and all sorts of things, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. But I did, it was too late. Um, so, um, but you get the point. Households that ooze Jesus. Um, and in this, these verses in Deuteronomy, it says that God's wisdom should be carved upon our front doors and our back doors. How, what do children see of your dealings of the, with the world? Okay. Are you friendly? 
Do you talk to your neighbor? <laughs> you know, are you honest, you know, with your everyday actions at work? And uh, your children will watch this and they will mirror it. You know, is your home open to your, your kids' friends? Again, my parents were amazing at this. I remember once my friends turned up and uh, my dad opened the door and the first thing he said to my dad was, hello, John, can I wash my hair? Okay, a bit random, I know, but he was a bit random. And, uh, but our house was open to my friends, friend, my friends and they, could feel, they felt able to come and ask to wash their hair. <laughs> you know, so I asked the same question of us. You know, are we taking every opportunity to talk about Jesus, appreciating God in the things around us? You know, look, look at that. Isn't that amazing, that sunset? Isn't God incredible? Reminding them of, of how God answers prayer. Wow, you know, we've got some money for a holiday. Wow, God's answered that prayer. And so it's just everything we do, it's, being, it's oozing Jesus from our, from our lives and in our households. So as I close this bit, and I'm just about to hand over to Kirsten to kind of sum up and, and uh, think about how we can respond to this. Um, I just want to really quickly um, just, show, just tell you kind of my vision, really, for my children, but also for the, the Hope kids, okay? And the first thing is uh, in Psalm 127, it says that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And my prayer for my own children and for your children and for children in this church um, is that they are like arrows, you know, offensive weapons. They're not cowering and fearful and scared and unable to answer questions, but they are powerful weapons for Jesus uh, in our society. In Philippians, it talks about how we should do everything without grumbling or arguing so that, so that we may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation, shining among the gen- this generation like stars in the sky as we hold firmly to the word of God. And my prayer for my children and for Hope's children is that our children are like stars that shine in what is a wicked and depraved generation. Stars that shine and hold firmly to God's word. Kirsten. Oh, sorry. Um, Yeah, and I think my heart for our young people and our youth as well is that we just shouldn't limit them, that they're capable of so much that, yeah, as I was saying earlier, if we believe that we're um, doing what we're doing through grace, then that same grace applies to them as well. And um, I've seen some amazing things in our youth work, some really incredible things. And I think that we should not limit them to what they are capable of in doing in Jesus' name. Um, And so in terms of a kind of practical response to this, um, we've decided that we as a church need to get alongside our young people. Uh, We need to um, encourage them. We need to believe in them for uh, massive, massive things. We need to get alongside them. Uh, We need to equip them. We need to live our lives in a way that um, is modeling to them and reflecting to them um, how we should be living. Um, And so practically, as Nick talked about at the beginning, our young people live in a society where anything goes. 
um, and the Christian community is so uh, countercultural, um, and there are so many things in our church that um, teaches them more and more about Jesus. And so, committing to prayer is one thing that we can do to get alongside our young people. Um, Prayer is amazing and prayer changes things and something moves and something shifts when we pray. And so when we pray for our young people, we're not just kind of sending a plea up to God and that's kind of done with it, but we're actually changing things. And so committing to pray, praying for them um, will do things in their lives and we will see the fruit of that. Um, and so maybe it's um, on a Sunday morning praying for the children's work beforehand. Maybe it's we've got New Day coming up next week uh, where we take our young uh, people away for a whole week. And it's a great opportunity for them to encounter Jesus and spend some time getting some good teaching and worshipping him. Maybe next week you want to commit to praying for our young people going to New Day. Um, but we are intercessing for them. Um, and so can I encourage you, do, do be praying for our children's work. Do be praying for our youth work. Pray for the helpers who commit um, so much time to spending uh, with our children as well. Um, get on a team. We always have rotor gaps um, every week. <laughs> um, and so come and speak to Nick or I after the service. If you really feel that God has spoken to you about young people, then come and grab us. We would uh, love to have you on a team with us and have a chat about how we could get you involved. Um, maybe if you're a family here at church, invite a young person over for dinner. Um, it's such an easy thing to do. Um, families are such a great way that you can just disciple and spend time uh, with our young people um, and it's such a simple thing but something that um, I know when I was um, in youth meant a lot to me um, when people welcomed me into their homes um, and corporately together as a church maybe um, if I could just get you to uh, stand where you are now John and the band are going to come up um, and I'd love it if you feel comfortable, if together um, as a church we could just pray out for our young people now, that we could um, spend some time asking that God uh, would come and impact their lives, um, that God would come and bless them, that uh, they would come and know Jesus as their saviour for those that don't, um, that we would see big, big things in them in the weeks to come, that we would uh, be expectant. Let's not just hope for this for our young people, let's be expectant of it because God is able to do that. And so where you are now, let's just start praying out to him. Uh, let's just start calling on him. Uh, maybe if you know some of our young people, then pray about them by name. God has spoken to you specifically about young people, whether it's 
um, serving them, whether you uh, don't have kids and would love to get involved, whether you're a parent and you feel like you need re-energising um, and you feel like you need God to come and um, stir up your heart again for your children, um, whether it's you just really have, have been given a heart for young people and you just want to hand it over to God, then there's going to uh, be a prayer team over to my right um, who will be happy to pray for you or grab the people around you and pray with them. Um, but to wrap up, yeah, Lord, Father, we thank you that you love our young people, Father. We thank you that whatever our heart for them, your heart is ten times bigger, Lord, that um, you have such a passion to see them uh, come into relationship with you, to step into relationship with you, to see them saved by you. But not only that, Lord, but you long to bless them with giftings. You long to see them tear down the plans of the enemy. You long to see them stand up in your name and say no to a world that shouts everything else at them and say no I'm trusting in Jesus and yes Lord we make ourselves available to you this morning and we say uh, will you come and speak to us will you come and show us how to help these young people Father I pray that you will come and um, speak to individuals in this room right now I pray that you would re-energize us and re-envision us for our children uh, and our young people, Lord. And I pray, grow our hearts even more for them, Father. Let us in the weeks to come see big, big things. Let us see um, and hear stories of healings and words of knowledge of when our young people have been obedient, felt believed in and stepped out in your name, Father. We pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.